0: Good afternoon, and welcome to Citizen K, a weekly current affairs program featuring in-depth interviews and perspectives. I'm Kareem Mosna. This week on Citizen K.
1: Well, when you're on your board going down a hill and you're you're coming up on 110, 120 kilometers an hour, you, you, you get a bit of a sense of tunnel vision. like The world around you is irrelevant. You're just focusing on staying on the road and uh, getting down that hill. <laughs>
0: Ever heard of Street Luge? Neither had I. That is until I spoke with Kingstonian Nick Kamink, who was looking to raise money to go to Argentina to represent Canada in the World Skate Games. We'll learn exactly what Street Luge is coming up. But first, there's less than a week to go until the municipal election. I've spoken with and featured conversations with mayoral candidates on The Stoop Wednesday afternoons at 5, but since we are in a crunch as the election is, as mentioned, less than a week to go... We're going to feature my interview right now with incumbent Brian Patterson to begin Citizen K today on CFRC 101.9 FM, CFRC.ca and podcasting through Spotify and iTunes. Okay, Brian. So I just want to go over some of the key uh, elements of the platform. Um, Tell me about this new affordable housing fund. How exactly would this work that you're looking at proposing here?
2: So the idea is that... um, as we build new, new housing across the city, and, and again, you know, I think we need more of all different forms of housing, but I think, you know, a particular emphasis on, on townhouses and duplexes and tiny homes and smaller, more, more affordable types of housing, more rental housing, for example, that, um, the more that the more of that housing we build, when you build that housing, uh, that then generates uh, tax revenue to the city. And so my proposal is to take a dedicated percentage of that new revenue and channel it into this affordable, uh, municipal affordable housing fund. And so that's key for being able to then to build more subsidized housing, which, of course, we have a desperate need for as well. But but when we talk about subsidized affordable housing, we need to talk about where that funding is going to come from. So obviously, as mayor, I would continue to advocate with uh, the federal and provincial governments for more funding. But I think that this is also a mechanism the city could use, for example, to to buy land, to buy properties uh, that we could then match with other funding to build more subsidized, affordable housing.
0: And I understand further, you're talking about some innovative uh, approaches to solving this housing crisis that we're in. Uh, Tiny homes, 3D homes. Tell me a bit more about how that could potentially uh, be accomplished.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, I think that the one of the big issues is that housing you know, has become so, so expensive and so time-consuming to build um, that I think that the time is right for some out-of-the-box innovative thinking. And so, yeah, I, I would love to see Kingston positioned as uh, a leading 21st century city on what is probably the biggest issue for almost every city across the country. Um, so uh, pilot projects. Uh, there's a, a local company here, Anchor Concrete, that's gotten into into this with their modular housing. So, okay, well, how about a pilot project to be able to uh, get some new modular housing uh, up and running that can be constructed far faster than traditional housing? Three uh, D printed homes. There's a, a couple of local companies that are that are delving into this space. So, could we look at a pilot uh, to be able to provide some of that housing? So, so I think. I think that the overarching goal here is for Kingston to be uh, a leader in the sort of creative solutions, innovative ideas for housing that ultimately uh, can provide housing solutions at lower costs that people can afford.
0: And I understand collaboration is a big part of your approach.
2: Yeah, you can't. The city can't do any of this on its own. And I think any any uh, entity uh, or any suggestion, you know, that somehow. You know, this is is a, it can be sold by one partner. I think is 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 totally wrong. I mean, uh, think about every affordable housing and supportive housing project that we've been able to to launch over the last few years. I mean, I'm proud of what we've been able to do, but uh, the city has just been one partner of many in all of those projects. Uh, the Indigenous Housing Center, for example, that's a partnership with TP Moza, which is a local nonprofit, and then with funding from the federal government, and then the city bought the property. And so that was what created that housing. Uh, the new Princess um, uh, Hillandale uh, community housing project, uh, just up from the Kingston Centre. Again, the city was able to buy the land. Then we partnered with Kingston Frontenac Housing, and we were able to get some funding through the National Housing Strategy. So again, all of these projects usually require at least two or three different partners, Uh, to be able to put together where everyone's kind of focusing on what they can do. Uh, That kind of collaboration is critical. And I think that that's what we learned in the pandemic. Um, That's why I think we fared so well during the pandemic is we work together as a community. And I think that that approach uh, needs to continue with all the challenges we're now dealing with uh, post pandemic.
0: Of course, linking into this is the cost of living, which is also I understand a a big part of your platform and uh, an element here caught my eye, reducing uh, transit
2: cost. How much are we talking here? So I think that this is something that that I would propose. I would bring to council and have uh, have city staff, uh, you know, work with staff to come up with some recommendations on exactly what the uh, what the reduction in the cost would be. Obviously, I would want it to be you know a, a significant reduction, is basically a way to uh, a give people a, a break on on cost of living, and b. Um, how to um, get people back in the habit of taking Kingston transit. Uh, the fact is that our ridership for our transit system is still well below where it was before the pandemic. And so I think that there's a, a real opportunity here uh, with, uh, with lowering the cost of that transit fee, obviously for, for people with lower incomes, they already qualify for a, a lower, lower price uh, transit pass. This is something that would be offered to, uh, to everyone to be able to use, uh, to get, transit ridership back up. And then as ridership comes back up, that in turn would then allow us to be able to extend the program uh, that much further. That's the ultimate goal. We know transit's a really, really important part of our vision for the city. Uh, so this is this is both to provide a, a break on the cost of living, but also to try to uh, provide that incentive that I think some people might need to, to get back into using transit again. Another
0: aspect I, I see here is uh, job creation. Uh, tell me about some of the strategies uh, to achieving that.
2: Yeah, well, the big challenge that we have as a city right now is that we are we're running out of room, uh, particularly running out of industrial land, running out of space in our city business parks uh, where new businesses can come and locate. And, and I'm very concerned about that because uh, we actually have a number of businesses that are lined up at our door right now that want to come and set up shop here in Kingston and offer good quality paying jobs to people in our community. I mean, that's that's really important, but they're not going to be able to do that if they don't have space. If there's nowhere they can go, so really I think one of the key strategies and a key area of focus for us over the next few years is to uh, find ways to expand our city business parks and expand the supply of industrial land and uh, make sure that we're not having to turn businesses away, particularly when they're uh, they're going to be bringing good paying, uh, quality jobs and career opportunities here to the city.
0: And of course, you know we just recently welcomed the first marine uh, electric vehicle charger and uh, certainly the, the electric bus is uh, rolling through Kingston. just rode on it the other day. It was, it was quite, quite an experience. Yeah. Uh, what are we going to see more uh, in terms of addressing the climate crisis, the climate emergency?
2: Uh, well, certainly in my platform, I'm, I'm really you know, putting forward a vision that sees Kingston as a, as a leader in that transition to uh, electric vehicles, electrification, uh, looking at ways that we can adopt renewable natural gas as a complement to to, uh, to to traditional natural gas that comes from fossil fuels. So I think that, um, really, I, I think that Kingston has an opportunity, again, to be a leader with practical, sustainable, financially feasible uh, actions that we can take that are creative, that are innovative, um, that make sense financially and economically uh, and environmentally. And, you know, being able to, a lot of it's just adopting new, new technologies and new ways of doing things. And so, I mean, we've already been a leader on uh, you know, installing uh, charging stations for electric vehicles. As you said, we're uh, we're home to the first uh, charging station for electric boats. Uh, and I think there's so much more opportunity to, to continue to work on that. One of the big things, of course, in doing that is, uh, and this is something people don't think about, but we don't actually have enough electricity capacity to be able to do any of these things that I've talked about. So I think a really key important step Uh, over the next few years will be to uh, make sure that we're able to work with the province and with Hydro One and with other partners to make sure that we we need to invest in a new transformer station that will bring uh, more electricity into the city so that we can actually achieve these electrification goals we're talking about.
0: Excellent. Uh, Brian, just before I let you go, you know, you've served as mayor since 2014. Uh, What would you say... um, perhaps be one of your proudest moments uh as as mayor
2: i mean that's a that's a good question you know there's there's lots of things that we've been able to accomplish that i'm that i'm proud of but i think that you know it was a very special moment uh a few weeks ago when we had the preview event for the new wobbin crossing and just seeing thousands of kingstonians from all parts of the city come down and uh take a walk or ride their bikes or uh, uh being able to to uh uh, to, to check out the new bridge, uh, the largest infrastructure project in the city's history. And quite frankly, a bridge that's been talked about for uh, for more than 50 years, being able to see that bridge come to fruition. And now knowing that we're just a few weeks away from an official, uh, official grand opening, uh, I think that that's something that I'll, I'll certainly, uh, certainly am very proud of. And, you know, again, it's been a community effort, but it's nice to see it come to the finish line.
0: Okay, Brian, well, thank you so very much for joining me today. Thanks very much. Take care. Thank you. That was my conversation with Mayor Brian Patterson. You're listening to Citizen K on CFRC 101.9 FM, CFRC.ca, and on podcast, I'm Kareem Mosna. Back in the summer, a startup that allowed anyone to facilitate vehicle purchases started right here in Kingston. I was at Vendi's launch event, and it was quite the celebration. They even had a yacht for the occasion. Now, just last week, Vendi partnered with Loyalist Collegiate and Vocational Institutes, and they gave their autotech students a car to work on for their course to learn more about this initiative and what else vendi has in the works i spoke with co-founder zerman khan and media lead blake McGinnis. i understand vendi has donated a vehicle to support uh, lcvi's uh, autotech program
3: that is correct kareem a uh, great opportunity for us uh, it was uh... Made known to us, um, I think a few weeks ago, um, that they, they had a need. They had reinitiated their auto tech uh, course and program there at LCVI, uh, which is great news uh, because I'm sure, as, as we all are probably aware, there's massive shortages um, in, in uh, labor-intensive environments across the board, but more, but specifically for auto technicians. So great opportunity for them to further that learning and education and for us to be able to provide some support towards that initiative was uh, it's a great opportunity for Vendee. And uh, and for LCVI and the students above all.
0: Perfect, and, and so uh, students will actually get hands-on experience working with this vehicle.
3: Exactly. Yeah, that was uh, that was the whole thing. You know, um, speaking with uh, their shop teacher there, uh, Mr. Spearman Warren Spearman, uh, great great fella. Um, and again, uh, back to the shortages on on uh, on staff all over the place. He's actually a retired uh, teacher from the Ottawa area, and they were they were able to bring him. Uh, into Kingston to to support this course. So great that he was able to do that. But now the students will have a vehicle to work hands-on, real-time learning uh, and training uh, with great expertise and Mr. Spearman to lead the charge.
0: Amazing. Uh, now, it, when, when we get into what Vendi does, now I know Vendi, you know, uh, basically allowing anybody to basically uh, facilitate vehicle purchases and sales uh, and in turn for customers to be able to interact and and uh, and determine in, in that sense. So I understand. Um, how does this donation of the vehicle? How does this tie in to Vendy's mission?
4: Um, well, you know, I I think it's a it's a couple of things. But the one thing that um, is big about Vendy is that it, it's people first, right? That's that's our thing. It's we're people first. We're not you know a big automated system, right? We're a Kingston based company. And we wanted to, we want to do everything we can to support Kingston in any way, especially Kingstonians, especially students. So the way that it kind of just wrapped together is uh, we actually had a car uh, come in on trade, and we figured that would be a good opportunity to pass it along to them and help kind of encourage this next uh, generation of you know, the automotive world, you know whether they become you know, technicians or automotive uh, you know, business heads. It's just a great, great uh, way for us to kind of help them move forward and we actually are hoping to continue to work with other schools within the ldsb um i think we've uh sent that olive branch out to try to make a connection maybe to get a a blanket policy to continue to do this Um, but that's the main thing we're we're people first right Mm -hmm. we want to just set that aside from being some big tech conglomerate to being uh, really personal and personable um, and uh, just wanting to help any way we can really
0: thanks for that explanation blake so really it's um, outreach and uh, giving back to the community is a big part of what you're hoping to do with this.
4: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. you know anything else too. like we're we're hoping uh, to move forward. We're hoping to run an event sooner than later with uh, a local charity um, to help raise some money for them. Um, it's uh, anything we can do in terms of uh, outreach is we we are actively looking for more opportunities to do that within the Kingston area. Um, and as we expand as well, uh, we're uh, launching um, in Ottawa, um, I believe, the beginning of next month. Um, so we're, we're going to plan citywide outreach any way we can between here you know, and Ottawa, which is why we reached out to the LDSB to hopefully get more of a blanket policy for all the schools in the school board um, so we can continue to do that.
0: Amazing. So really, this is um, almost a starting point for, for something more.
4: Absolutely. Yeah, this, this was a real... Uh, kind of passion project for me personally it's always been a kind of a dream of mine to help uh, these auto shops especially once i heard lc's reopened we immediately came together and made this happen like Zerman said it was only a couple weeks ago kind of we found out so we were able to piece this together fairly fast as we want you know they didn't have a car to work on right it's like a, you know it's like a wood shop teacher without wood right so we wanted to uh, get that to them as soon as possible we just happen to have this car uh, <laughs> coming in so we are hoping that it definitely turns into something bigger and we're making that happen as soon as we possibly can.
0: And I'm really curious, you know, we keep saying this car, this vehicle, Mm -hmm. what is the car?
4: Uh, It's a 2012 Nissan Altima. Um, Nothing super special, but it was actually in great shape. And honestly speaking, I I I hope it lasts multiple years for that shop class, you know, for them to take it apart and put it back together um, rather than, you know, buying them or getting them something, you know, not as nice that might not last as long, at least this way they might be self-sufficient for a while before needing the next car.
0: (laughs) And you just revealed uh, that you're looking at expansion.
3: Uh, yeah absolutely uh, Kareem I mean uh, right now our platform is available provincially uh, throughout the province of Ontario um, but we want to deliver some targeted launch events uh, in in some of the other larger markets obviously in Ontario that being Ottawa and then inevitably in Toronto but uh, beyond that we're really looking at taking this platform uh, national uh, that's a long-term uh, goal and focus for us uh, and beyond right I mean our, our mission uh, is is really it's it's local it's national it's international there's there's no Reason why uh, we would be limited from that. The platform itself is designed to be able to be functional just about in any marketplace. Uh, so long as obviously we're, we're, you know, abiding by the, the governing policies or, or laws in each of those particular markets. But uh, no, we look forward to it. There's nothing like it in the marketplace right now. Um, and we're, we're excited to be the first ones to deliver this type of a community-based marketplace where, uh, you know, our vendors, or licensed uh, certified automotive consultants are able to bridge gaps for sellers and buyers and, and, and bring these individuals together to, to really put them in the in the driver's seat, so to speak, um, <laughs> no pun intended or intended, I guess, but, uh, but to give the, the average consumer a little more control, um, and the ability to function in a safe and secure, uh, environment where they can get uh, great value overall.
0: Excellent. Thanks for that, Zermon. So, uh, if you, how, how have things been going? I know it's been, I mean, I want to say the end of June that the official launch happened or was it, was it July?
3: Uh, actually August, uh, the August. First, first weekend in August was the official, uh, launch mm-hmm. for us. It's, uh, it's been going really, really well, um, in the sense that you know, it's it's a whole new thing for us as well, right? So there's some things that will become more known to us or more apparent as we continue to to grow this and build this. Um, and when we take a look at our core team, our our, our founding partners, that being Trevor Cotton, our, our founder and CEO, it's his brainchild. He's he's been quite the visionary for a very long time. And then bringing uh, you know some of the partners together that that worked with him on this, namely Tyler French and, and Daniel Babineau, uh, both them critical individuals big and then and then myself Sermon Khan uh, and then our digital marketing team with with Blake and with Sarah and uh, and now Spencer Gibson who's joined us so the team's the team's growing and uh, the the it'll take a little bit of time I'm sure for that trust and confidence to build in the marketplace but we're, we're very comfortable with what we have here as a product and uh, and look forward to, to making sure the rest of the, the world inevitably understands that that this is here and it's it's looking to do great things and revolutionizing the automotive industry
0: Great. Zerman Blake, thank you very much for joining me today. I appreciate it.
3: Mm-hmm. You're very welcome, Kareem. Thank you.
0: That was my conversation with Blake McGuinness and Zermon Khan of Vendy. Now, finally, we get to learn what street luge is. I spoke with Kingstonian Nick Kaming, who, through a GoFundMe campaign, is looking to raise $2,500 to cover costs to get down to Argentina to represent Canada in the World Skate Games. To learn more, here's my conversation with Nick. So Nick, talk to me uh, about this sport. I, I I believe I've seen it, um, you know, on maybe, um, on on TV, I think maybe, maybe some European countries might, might do this, uh,
1: street luge. Street luge. It's, um, not a whole lot different than ice luge, except, uh, you know, we're on the road and, uh, obviously we're on wheels instead of, uh, blades and, uh, you're, you negotiate the track as quickly as you can without crashing. And, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of it in a nutshell. Right,
0: because, you know, it, you sort of see how they're, you know, you're kind of going down the hill, right? But you're right near to the ground holding on.
1: Yeah, so we ride a, an aluminum or a steel, sometimes they're carbon fiber board. Some of the guys have between... They can have as little as four wheels. Some guys have eight wheels on their board and yeah, you sit about two inches off the ground and that's about it. And, um, by leaning your body left or right, that, that allows you to turn. And, uh, we, when we're racing, we generally raced enough in, in four man heats for however many heats is required. Sometimes there's 12 racers and sometimes there's 30 racers. So the brackets can be pretty big. Sometimes we race Le Mans style, which is where you place your board on the road, the, all the racers stand at the side of the road. And when the, uh, when the starting marshal says go, you actually have to run to your board, start paddling like hell. And, uh, you all race together all at the same time. So you could be on the road with 16 other racers all at once. So it can get a little, it can get a little hectic coming into turn one.
0: <laughs> wow. Yeah. Just imagine, you know, all those people all make, making those turns. And yeah. I there's a lot
1: Yeah, there's a lot of bodies and there's a lot of traffic.
0: <laughs> and you can go up to, uh, and even surpass hundred kilometers an hour. I understand.
1: So I'm not sure exactly what the speed record is currently, but, uh, I believe it's somewhere in the neighborhood of 168. Kilometers an hour, so just over a hundred miles an hour. Wow! That's I can only imagine just uh,
0: maybe the focus that would be required just just to also stay safe in in a sport like this.
1: Well, when you're on your board going down a hill and you're you're coming up on 110, 120 kilometers an hour, you, you. You get a bit of a sense of tunnel vision, like the world around you is irrelevant. You're just focusing on staying on the road and uh, getting down that hill.
0: (laughs) Very cool. So uh, this is coming up soon. The World Skate Games uh, down in Argentina.
1: Yeah, down in Argentina. And
0: you're you're going to be there representing
1: Canada. Uh, This must be really a, a, a thrill for you. It's super exciting. I haven't, uh, I haven't done too much racing beyond Canada and the United States. So this is the first time I'll be traveling outside of North America. Uh, It's me and my uh, teammate, Kobe Parks. In a championship race, we, uh, the winner was the, the top two racers were deemed to be the representatives for Canada and me and my, uh, me and my teammate Kobe there, we, uh, we won that. So they, we were chosen for, to represent Canada in down in San Juan. So yeah, it's pretty exciting. And me and Kobe actually grew up together. We went, uh, we went to elementary school and high school together. So <laughs> that's pretty cool. Amazing.
0: Now, in order to get down there, you're going to need to raise some money. I understand. So you got a GoFundMe uh, that that's going right now, and you're hoping to raise two thousand five hundred dollars. Um, yeah. Tell t- tell me a bit more about how uh, this funding will, will will help you get down there.
1: So the uh, the plane ticket alone uh, is about is between twelve and fourteen hundred dollars, and that would be a return trip. Um, World Skate the uh, which is the organizer they. They organize your accommodations and your travel and, uh, you know, s- somewhat your living expenses while you're down there, s- just so that everybody is in the same hotel and everybody has the same travel arrangements. So, they, so before you even get down there, you've got to pay them $800 to cover the hotel and uh, bus fare to and from the hotel to the track anything beyond that is uh is our responsibility so but yeah it it, it all ends up costing about at least twenty four, twenty five hundred 2500 dollars so not a not a cheap thing to go and do for a few days but i mean i think it's going to be worth it oh no
0: once in a lifetime it sounds like uh to be yeah. part of the world skate games now you've been uh doing this for over 20 years i understand
1: yeah since around 2000 that's uh when me and Kobe started going down this little adventure.
0: What sort of got you uh, interested in, in this sport that is not, uh, you know, not as well established as a lot of other sports?
1: Well, it's, it was unique. Um, it was exciting, like, uh, and it wasn't that expensive. Um, you could make your own board, uh, it was l- very little maintenance and, uh, I mean, where else can you lay down on a board and cruise around at 120 kilometers an hour? I mean, that's, it's pretty exciting. <laughs> Absolutely. It's definitely uh, worth the rush. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Great. So uh, w- where can people go, uh, to, to find this GoFundMe?
1: Uh, so right now I'm being sponsored by Atkinson Home Hardware. And uh, there's a link and a video there. Head on over to that website uh, on their Facebook page. Check it out. You can click the link. If you're interested in the sport at all, or you want to support a Canadian athlete, you can drop as little or as much money there as you can. Um, And yeah, every, every dollar helps.
0: So, uh, in, so you're going to be uh, scheduled down there November 8th to 12th down in San Juan. Yeah. Uh, so when, when would sort of be the, the deadline uh, to, uh, to, to contribute to this GoFundMe to help you get down there?
1: Uh, probably the uh, beginning of November. I'm, I mean, uh, we're pretty much already committed to going down there as it is. So uh, before the, before the beginning of November would be good um but i mean uh there's no yeah i would just say the the beginning of november would be would be the deadline yeah perfect and uh, and you did mention atkinson home
0: hardware they've kind of kick-started the campaign in a way it it appears
1: well myself i'm not very tech savvy like uh, it took me a little bit of doing to figure out even how this zoom program works but uh they've got a They've got a really good staff over there that are willing to help and um, they're pretty heavy into the uh, social presence. So I asked them if they were, if they were interested in helping me out and they, they jumped all over it and uh, yeah, they're kind of spearheading this whole thing. So they've been, they've been excellent.
0: Great. Well, Nick, Hey, thank you so much for uh, speaking to me uh, about this and, and I wish you all the best with this. This sounds really exciting.
1: Yeah, we'll let you know how I make out.
0: That was my conversation with Kingstonian street loser Nick K-Mink. And that's all for Citizen K this week. Citizen K was produced with the generous support of the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences at Queen's University. CFRC 101.9 FM broadcasts from Kingston, Ontario, on the traditional lands of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples. Thank you for listening. I'm Kareem Mosna.